And it took me a long time to figure out if that is that sacred space that we create. You know, when you have a sacred, safe space to just be you and do you and to be stupid and silly and make mistakes and and be vulnerable and and tell your stories and it's accepted then the love flows Welcome to Supernormalize, the podcast where we challenge the conventional, break boundaries, and normalize the supernatural. Join me, CJ, as we explore uncharted realms of existence and unravel the mysteries of our universe. If you have an unusual knowledge or a unique story you'd love to share, reach out to me personally at supernormalized.proton.me. Let's make the supernatural the new normal. Today on Supernormalize, we have Laura Giles. Her message is one of love and connection. She coaches people to be able to do that and create opportunities that make life happen in better ways. And all that comes from an animist perspective, which is the belief that everything is alive, sacred, and connected. So it's simply a way of living in sync with the truth and being authentic. If you're enjoying Supernormalized and you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way to support the show is to jump on your podcast app and give me a five-star rating or write a nice positive review because I'd really like that. And also share it to your friends and family. But right now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Supernormalized, Laura Giles. Is it Giles or Giles? Giles. Giles. Very good to meet you. Thanks. <laughs> I, I love your show and I am so thrilled to be here. I love the topic. I think it's, I don't know why more people don't talk about this. So I'm, yeah. I'm super happy to be here and talk about making paranormal normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, you know, the the way you reached out and you said to me, on your email um, that you're interested in being on the show because the way you work with people is from an animus perspective. Can you go into that exactly what you do and how you actually integrate animism into that? Because that's really fascinating to me. Sure. So I am a trauma therapist primarily. Uh, I do lots of different things, but it's all trauma uh, based because I've just been doing it for so long and there's just so much of it out there that's kind of unavoidable. Yeah. Um, and the animism, I don't ever talk about it, but it's definitely, it's the way that I move in the world. So I don't know how else to be. Yeah, um, right. And and when I talk to people about it, you know, putting in that perspective, putting it in the wheel of life, making it more natural, then they really get it. And even if I never say animism or I say any of those key words, I think it's something that we all get from the gut level because it just, it is what it is. Yeah. That's life, you know, a reflection of life. Okay. Okay. So, um, does that come from any uh, informed experience from anywhere in your life? I mean, did you grow up in an animist perspective as a part of your life? I did, and I didn't really know that it was anything different because it's it's like any of your culture. You know, you don't know it until you step out of it, and then you see that people do things differently. Yeah, that's so right. So it wasn't until there were key moments in my life that's like, oh, other people don't think like this, but for the most part, it, it's just been invisible, really. Yeah, yeah. Look, I know exactly what you mean because um, if you listen to the first show, I actually talk about when I was a baby. I was very, very small. I think I was still about um, I think four or five years old and I was still just wandering around and doing things. But I was allowed to cross the road and because um, we lived right next to a forest and I would walk into the forest a little bit. In my perspective, it was a long way. But it was just inside the forest and in there there was my friends that used to teach me to meditate and my friends were the forest beings and i found out later these were considered to be the good neighbors the fairies and for me that was normal and i thought that was normal for everyone but i didn't know that until i started talking about it and as i got a bit older and people were looking at me like what are you talking about <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah 
yeah, but that's normal to me. So, you know, uh, I get where you're coming from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you uh, decided to start helping people with trauma. What triggered that sort of uh, path for you? Was that something that you'd always wanted to do? No, not at all. Not oh, at all. you were pushed into it by, by the universe. <laughs> it's kind of been that way my whole life. I've really stumbled into different oh, things. And, yeah. and it always ended up being exactly where I needed to be. So before yeah. that, I was actually a belly dancer. I was a professional belly dancer for a long time. And um, I was teaching in a rehab center. Yes. And they would refer some of their clients to me. Because when you have injuries, you can't really, you need exercise, but there's some things you can't do. And belly dance is very gentle on the body. And it's a mind-body thing too. So you get your emotions involved. And there was a lot of catharsis that were happening, that was happening. Mm. And people, they were just feeling things that they, you know, was coming from the deep and they were having all these experiences. And I was realizing how therapeutic it was. And I was like, oh, I need to do this uh, with a little more integrity and information. And then that's when I went back and got my um, social work degree so that I could do, so that I knew what I was doing. You know, I mean, it was natural and it was coming up, but it felt a little um, irresponsible to be doing it without <clears throat> information. Yeah, right, right. So um, when you decided to get the information behind it, how did you study? I mean, did you did you follow anyone or do any courses um, or, or was... Was it like the like school of life just coming to towards you and teaching you how to do all this? Oh no, this was this was formal. So oh, I went to school. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of it was. Uh, I, I I hate to say that the school's not worth it, but the things that I learned outside of the classroom were definitely uh, more informative than most of the things I learned inside. Yeah, right. So actually, the 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 school of life actually was uh, more reinforcing of your understanding then. For sure. Excellent. Excellent. So why do you say that connection um, is a path to a meaningful life? I mean, that's something that you completely believe in as far as I understand and um, is pretty much a driver to all the work that you do. How does that work with trauma and then working through that trauma? I think trauma in the big picture is about being disconnected from yourself yeah. and other people. Something so horrible happens that it's like your sh soul shatters and, and trying to stay safe, we just keep pulling further and further away and getting away from our center and away from love and away from people. Um, it's like, I don't know, like going into a cocoon. And then the, the deeper you go, the further away that you get from source, which is, is love. And that comes from other people. Well, wow. it comes from yourself, but we, we see it reflected in other people and the trees and the sun and everything around us. So the more and more that we move away from that because of the trauma, then I think the less real or alive we tend to be. So for me, trauma healing is about tapping back into that source, being safe enough to do that and let your light shine. And yeah. when that happens, we're all connected. And, and like you were saying, it's to the forest, it's to everything. Mm. I think you can't really be that alive and miss that connection to everything that's around us. You know, the stars shine a little bit brighter and you see... Uh, just happiness in in the drops on the dew and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually are uh, more appreciative of everything. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the things that I was going to ask you about was um, intergenerational trauma and, and how that might hurt you. Can you tell how me might more hurt you? That? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, this connection is not just to people. When we talk about love, a lot of people talk about, you know, your boyfriend or your spouse. And when I'm talking about love, I'm talking about energy that's way bigger than that. And it goes from your very first roots, you know, down through your DNA to the people who spawned you. And the trauma does too. Right. So we get their gifts, but we also get their burdens. So when we're talking about how we learn to love, we learn to love from our parents. And this is when we're in the pre-verbal stage. So, you know, a lot of times I, I certainly did this. You know, you think, oh, it's okay. They're too young. They're not going to remember this. But memory is not just the things that you can speak back and the images that you have in your, in your head. Memory is all throughout the body and it's stored in different parts of the brain. So, for example, there was this, this experiment, I think it was with rats, don't quote me on that, where they started to take out different parts of their brain to see if they could still run a maze. 
And no matter what they took out, the rat could still run the maze. And it, it was clumsy, but he was still running the maze because memory's everywhere. So when our parents are teaching us how to love, if they're like yelling at us or if they're or if they're super affectionate, you know, we get that eye contact or we get that fear. And then as we grow up, we grow up to find somebody who loves the way they love. Yeah, right. So, so if no. our house is scary, then I'm going to look for somebody who's scary because it makes me feel loved. And if they're warm and natural and healthy, we're going to look for that. And so that's kind of one of the ways that intergenerational trauma is passed down is is by, by finding new people who fit our comfort zone because that's what we learned. And another way that that shows up is if I don't live in a happy house, then I'm going to repeat that same behavior on my kids and my neighbors and someone else. And it just keeps going on and on and on until somebody breaks that cycle. So I think this this it does come from our ancestors, but the gifts come from there too. And I think a lot of people forget about that, and they just think, "Well, this is horrible. I have to just cut off all contact with my family, and then I'm rootless," which is not good either. Right? Yeah, because you don't feel supported in any way whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like we actually get painted with the um, painting our own lives with the same palette that we were given by our parents. Yes, and it's just not full spectrum yeah 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 so okay so with that how do you use i mean i'm just trying to figure out how you actually use animism in that with with uh creating that connection with people i mean is there is there any methods that you use any techniques that um just make it more obvious like the the finding of that gut understanding yes actually so one of the things that i use is nlp and uh, uh, NLP changes the, your relationship to stuff. Right. Um, let's say that I have a belief that I'm stupid. Hmm. Uh, it changes the way that you, it, by moving things around, using metaphors, looking at space and, and different relationships, The it's the feminine way of learning instead of the linear masculine, let's just talk about this thing, which doesn't really work very well with trauma. That's one of the ways that I can help to straighten out that uh ancestral relationship and bring in the gifts from the people because a lot of people think you know my family's just horrible Uh, there's nothing i can do with these people you know there's there's no good here but there always is it's just tunnel vision so we're focusing on the bad stuff we don't see the good stuff so i help to bring out their their positive memories and bring them into a cellular level where they can access them as gifts yes and it's kind of it's really instantaneous and it's lasting. Mm, so mm. it's I really love the feminine way of working or or the, I wouldn't even say that the more holistic because it's it's not totally feminine. It's just more feminine than what we typically use in our day-to-day life. And so that's kind of one of the ways that I work. I always bring in that that um balance that right and left hemispheres. I use lots of imagination, lots of metaphor. And when it's holistic like that and your body's involved, and you're really feeling your feelings, the change really is super, super quick. And a lot of people think it has to be painless and take forever, and it doesn't. No, no, it's actually, yeah, yeah. I'm a master practitioner in NLP myself, so. Ah, there you go. So you know. Yeah, yeah. So when you said I was like, oh, yeah, cool. (laughs) So using state changes and and sort of like the the cinema room technique. and. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I understand. Okay. So, um, all right. So there's when people have unhealthy relationships, like you said, they like to just sometimes cut them off and go, ah, boy, <laughs> you know, they, you know, because it's yeah. more comfortable. You're like, I had enough, you know, that's all I can do. Um, but I think that sometimes when you're in a relationship with people and um, people aren't meeting your expectations, sometimes that can also just be them not being another version of you and then not in not meeting you you're not happy um but is there ways to actually like for people to figure out the differences between that so they can understand that that's this is them just talking from their trauma too yes so one of the ways that i i do that is with body-based so i never talk about other people it doesn't matter it's all about you if if you're the one that's sitting in the driver's seat then you can make all the changes and maybe this person is perfectly fine if you change your mind about them so I start yes. there first, right. and sometimes it's not, but that'll become very, very clear too. So yeah, we change the inside first and, and and move from that place of love from inside of here. 
And then we take a look at now, what does the picture look like? So I'm always going back, well, what does this look like now? What does this feel like now? When you tweak things like that, then people get more of a perspective because we tend to be in like tunnel vision and I mm. can't see anything else. So the first thing I want to do is get them out of that tunnel. Yeah. And then when you see all these other possibilities, you know, maybe that person isn't even important anymore, but, you know, maybe it is. Mm. So I, I really like to do body-based stuff. And because I think that's where the reality is, we, we are so limited by what we can see, literally with our eyes, and and what we can see figuratively in our and the states that we create for ourselves. So yes. if we can change that, then the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. I've I've found personally that trauma can also be stored inside the body. Um, uh, muscles and um, yes. movements and things like that and sometimes even just good exercise can actually start moving things on and moving things out and that's right being very helpful in change and you know um, a lot of times you might be doing things in your life and you have these little visions of things that happened or things from the past or any stories like that that's that I, I personally think that's the body releasing um, because some of those things are actual things you could possibly listen to when it comes to release and change so that's fascinating that you say that, and um, I think that's uh, important that people understand that it's, it goes beyond just just the the actual experience, but also goes into the actual body body experience too, because it is a it is a place of memory. Yes, life's holistic, and I think if you're not looking at it that way, then you miss opportunities to to experience different things, to heal, to connect. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be mind, body, spirit. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Um, how does someone develop a healthy relationship with themselves and thereby also with others? I think that's the um, task of growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because at first you're somebody's baby. Yep. And you got to follow those rules, your parents' rules. And then your job is to figure out, well, who am I? And I don't think that differentiation happens very often because now we have the society message. Well, now you have to be this person. And so you start to do that. And then, you know, we get on this rat race of, well, I have to make this much money and I have to look like this and I have to drive this car and have this, this profession. And so you're always living somebody else's life. And, and then, you know, you're pretending to be this person and you meet somebody who you think wants this package and you get together and it's like one day you wake up and it's like, who is this person? I don't know who this is <laughs> because you've kind of gotten relaxed and you let go of that persona and they're looking at you and you're looking at them and like, I don't know who this is. And, and then, so we just start all over with someone else versus going back and just saying, who am I? You know, I think, I don't, how do you do that? I think you have lots of experiences and you do them mindfully. So you get feedback from the the universe. The universe has always given us this feedback. It's like, ouch, this thing hurts, but I'm going to keep banging my head against it. You know, I think the programming from society is so strong that lots of us, most of us don't do that. Mm, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I'm, I'm going to put my hand up and say, yeah, I've done that many times. So, <laughs> but I think it's all a part of working out who you are what you are, where you're going, and um, in some cases, what really shouldn't be in your life. And so you can um, let go effectively and with understanding and maybe thank them for the education they gave you about your own trauma. Yes. Yes. And I think it's important, too, to recognize when that's happening and have an initiation, have a rite of passage, you know, mark the rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah, Because exactly. it makes it real. It makes yeah. it solid. You know, yeah. I am not this person anymore, or I am this. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that's one of the major um, problems in our society now is that we don't have a process of uh, personal evolution that um, yeah. acts and recognizes the changes in stages of our lives. And so a lot of people don't ever get a chance to grow up. Yes, so I think most we people. need, yeah, I think so. And, and initiation is the way that happens. And if you don't do it, then the universe will force you to do it in certain ways. Yeah. So this is a part yeah. of the reason why people actually manifest really intense situations and trauma to try and push you through. It's another it's another state of initiation and how that process works. And I also think that it's too easy in the Western world to not do it because we have so many safety nets, you know, especially if you have parents who are uh, loving, caring, and won't let you fail. Yeah, I yes. think sometimes we need to fail. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like we're being carried from the womb to the womb. We stay in the womb yeah. the whole time. Yes. And everyone's trying to stop us from basically experiencing life because life is challenging and it, it's it's okay that it's challenging. Just yeah. keep on walking. It's a part of the story. It's an adventure. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's yeah. like being on a, a roller coaster. People do it for the thrill of it. Well, your life could be the same, you know, enjoy the highs and the lows, and mm. then you'll be living. It's like, exactly. wow, isn't that what you're here for? <laughs> look, well, look, I, I have this belief that, you know, we when we come here, we, we might be sitting in the infinite for, you know, millennia, and then somebody puts a travel brochure in front of us like, oh, that looks like it could be fun, and next minute you're born. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we so, need a challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, how do you encourage exploring platonic intimacy? So that goes back to that whole, you know, your lover is your whole focus, whereas yeah. the world could be your whole focus. You can make love to the world. You know, you're eating an ice cream cone, make love to that ice cream cone, just really enjoy it. So it doesn't yes. have to even be a person. But if it is a person, then explore all aspects of your friendship. You know, when we were little, and yes, probably you too, you know, yeah. I remember wrestling on the floor with my friends, boys and girls. And, you know, we were very touchy-feely. And I grew yeah. up in a high-touch family, so that was part of it, too. But with kids, you're not thinking about all of these taboos and I can't do this, I can't do that. And, and you put all these restrictions on yourself. And I think it's restrictions to love. And, you know, so I was going hiking this morning and I'm looking at the sun coming down through the trees and how it's striking the the dew on the grass. And I mean, everything was just so alive. And and so I'm making love to the forest and the make forest is making love to me. And there's deer and everywhere. You know, it's just so much to love. And I'm just like, why do we not make love to life? That's really what I'm talking about with platonic yeah. intimacy. I don't think you have. I mean, if you if you're putting all your love into one person, that's a gigantic responsibility I, I can't even imagine how much that must how much of a burden that must be that i have to make you happy oh my god i don't want that you know yeah. make, let's spread that responsibility out and let's spread the love out there's more of it that way yeah for sure for sure i mean it does sound like that you're making life sexy as well you know yes everything yes. could be sexy so why not just enjoy that yeah yeah that's very mm -hmm. cool that's very cool Okay, so why is connecting to nature so important? I mean, I know for myself that connecting to nature actually grounds me and stops the extra, uh, what I would call, chatter in my own head. And I yeah. often find that once I've gone for a bushwalk and I'm coming back, I actually start getting songs pop in my head that are just songs that are about nature and things like that. I'm like, what the hell? Am I a folk singer? So, <laughs> <laughs> but it just works out that way, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I think, you know, we are nature. And I think lots of people forget about that. We're nature we're animals. And for me, being out in nature reminds me of that in the yeah. best way yes. and and the worst ways, which could be fun too. You know, yeah. I think it's so amazing that they're instinctive and they just know what to do. And we do too, if we get out of our head, yeah. you know, they're not sitting there thinking about, oh, what's my five-year plan? You know, they're just, <laughs> you know, they're eating and they're making love and they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, going down to the pond and having a drink. Yeah. I think if we do that, then we're just more of who we are born to be. Yeah, that's right. Being authentic, being yeah. right now in time rather than in the future or in the past. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. All right. Is there a formula for creating healthy connections? Because this sounds like a healthy connection to the earth and everything around you. So the formula is love, obviously. Um, do you have a way of making that happen for people so they can feel more um, healthily connected to things? Uh, yes. I think the, uh, the, the formula for that in any animist culture is the wheel of life. So, okay. you know, you have the seasons, you, everything is a wheel and you could put all different kinds of things in that wheel, but but it all moves from masculine to feminine and masculine to feminine or birth to death, the birth to death. So whatever you put in there, it's always going to be a circle. Yes. And I think that's the way. So if I go from being born to um, separating from my parents, becoming an adult, becoming an elder, that's going to happen over and over again. You're going to do it in your job, in your relationships, uh, throughout life and if you just can remember that everything does that then you'll never forget what to do as long as you know where you are if i'm in the beginning of something be in the beginning 
if I'm at the end, let it be the end. Say goodbye, let it crumble. And I don't think we do that very well in our culture either because we think that everything is supposed to be like this uh, upward trajectory forever. forever. And we never let anything <laughs> go. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, I can't get old. I can't get slow. I can't get anything that's not better and better, better. And if I yeah. do, I'm a failure. And that's just not how nature works. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, if a bird doesn't catch a worm, it doesn't go sit crying on a fence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's exactly it so yeah okay so the cycles of life i see that also um yeah in everything too and um you know when you do hold on to any part of that wheel you can get thrown off in ways that don't make sense yeah. so it's good to yeah. actually just sit on the wheel and enjoy the ride for sure yeah yeah i mean if you if you resist it like you say it's going to get worse it's like the tornado that comes through it's natural and it's a very strong reaction to something to bring it back in balance. It's always going to be back in balance. Nature is the one that's in control. It's not us. Yeah. So you do have to ride that wave. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes when a lesson is taught, that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. So uh, what are the five relationship destroyers that you know of that you talk about? Oh, the five relationship destroyers. Um, so one of them <laughs> is contempt. And uh, contempt basically yeah. tells people, you're stupid, you're nothing, I have no respect for you. That, that It's that unspoken thing behind the, the gestures and the looks. Nobody wants to be on the receiving end of that. Contempt is a quick destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> Another one is stonewalling. That's when I'm not just not going to talk to you or I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm not going to engage. This isn't a conversation worth having. And people want to be seen and heard and engaged with and respected. It's it's like, you know, if I meet you here and this is where we we're and I'm trying to move forward with you and you're refusing to do that, then I have nowhere to go. Yes. So I'm probably going to say, well, I think we're done here. Eventually I will. Uh, okay. Another one is criticism. Okay. It's kind of like contempt in that, you know, I don't, I don't have anything positive to say and it just doesn't feel good. Mm. So, you know, why do I want to do that? <laughs> and the, the fourth one is defensiveness. Yes. Defensive sends the message that I've been attacked. Yes. And it, it's because we're connected individuals. If If I'm sending one energy out, then if I'm going to stay connected to you, then you're going to have to meet me at that level. So if I'm being defensive, even if you weren't intending to attack me, you're probably going to take that posture because mm. I've set it up and I want to stay connected to you. Yeah, right. So if I just de-escalate and if we're on a teeter-totter and I'm staying in the middle, you keep trying to pop me up or pop me down and I'm just staying here, you have to meet me there or or we'll disconnect. So... um yeah, defensiveness is is a fourth one, and the the fifth one is actually, um, it, it's kind of like ignoring you. So one of the love ways to build love is to give somebody your undivided attention. It's like being a dog. Every time I come home, my dogs are so great. Every single time, without fail, <laughs> they run up and greet me. Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. And if we, if more humans were like that, we would have amazing connections. It's like, oh my God, you're the greatest thing I've seen all day. What are you doing? Hi. <laughs> you know? But instead we get bored and we're just like, oh, been there, done that. And just ignore each other. Oh, you're mm. here. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a giant relationship destroyer too. It's like, I don't even see you. Right. That's why people fall in love with each other is because they feel seen. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, stop loving each other, you know, just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, keep doing the good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I lived with some friends, um, we made this rule that whenever one came into the room, we'd cheer. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, that, and that was amazing for like lifting our spirits. And so, yeah. yeah, and I mean, it was relentless. We'd actually did it for a long time just to see what happened. And we all agreed it was great. So, yeah, yeah. I mean. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, reaching out to Forge Connection um continuously is the most sensible way to go when it comes to even um growing more love and uh yeah i mean that contempt one that's a big one because you know you yeah. see that you see that in the rolling eyes you know when you say something like and they roll their eyes like okay that's yeah. where we're at now yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's, it, it stabs you straight in the heart because we are connected. Yeah. And it's like, I see myself in your eyes. And if you were reflecting back that I'm nothing, that's very hurtful. Exactly. It's just, it's exactly. It's just, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's disconnecting, you know, and yeah. that's, that, that, that mm -hmm. doesn't really help with growth. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to ask you, why should we connect with our ancestors? What is the benefits in that when it comes to um, trauma and trauma release and also then creating more connection in ourselves and in our lives? I think one, is there a resource with um, strengths that we may not know we have? Okay. Because when I think about my ancestors, they're from all over the world. And I think about everything that they went through to for me to get here. Yeah. You know, I have uh, African slave ancestors. They survived the journey. <laughs> they survived the hardship for however long they were here. You know, mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome. I have people who survived famine, people who survived war, you know, refugees, all kinds of things. And I think, oh, my God, you know, I haven't done anything like that <laughs> And but I but that strength is there. It's in my blood. It's in my line. So one of the ways that I think it's really beneficial is to just know that and think about that because it is in you. It it is you. And once you know you have it, then it makes it easier to display it. Mm. And another thing um, that I think ancestor reverence gives to us is a place in history. A lot of people feel lost, especially Americans, um, because. Most of us were not Native American, so we came from somewhere else. And and a lot of times that connection feels severed to the whatever the homeland was. Um, sometimes, too, with trauma that happens. If I have to get out of my, my home situation just to survive, then it can feel like that connection is severed. In fact, most people don't know anything about their ancestry past their grandparents. So mm -hmm. I think finding that stuff out, it gives us a sense of roots. So I know for me, um, one of the other things that I do is sacred travel. So I go all over the world to to different places um, to be with the sacred energy. But but sometimes I also do pilgrimages and ancestral pilgrimages. And every time I go to a place where my ancestors have been, it feels totally different. There's a sense of belonging. Like, why do I know this place, even though I've never been there? So the the sense of roots and timelessness and just the sense of I am. I belong is incredible when you have uh, a connection to your ancestors. I think everybody deserves that and needs mm. that. It's such yeah. a powerful place to stand. Right, right. Yeah, look, I was at uh, 28 days after birth to another family altogether and grew up wondering, who are these people? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I totally understand that. And and as I was growing up, um, and I turned into a teenager. I was really attracted to Russian culture and vodka and all these sort of things. And it didn't make any sense. And I didn't know why. And I did know that I was adopted, but I didn't have any information. And in time, I sought that out. And it turns out my um, my father was Russian and my mother was English. And uh, yeah. it was. And it, it's in you. Yeah, it's in me. And I, when I when I went through um, a little tour of Europe, I didn't get to Russia, but I want to. Um, but certain places in Europe, I'd stand there and go, oh my God, I feel like I've been here. Exactly. Which is really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do those two, remember. When you do those two, do you do them on your own or do you take people as well? Or uh, It started on my own. Yeah. Um, I was just working a lot and I really needed a break and I had no idea that it was going to turn into a spiritual adventure. It was not on my radar at all. It landed on me and it hit me really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, I said, this is too good to keep to myself. And that's how I started it. And um, then when I did the the one for the ancestry, I had no idea that it was going to be, it's just like you say, the soul remembers and all kinds of stuff comes up. And I think it helps us to integrate things from our past that we didn't know. It pops out traumas that we didn't know were there. It gives you opportunities for healing. I mean, it gives you ways to expand into, into cultures, into, into love that you didn't know existed. I mean, it's, yeah. it's always that big every single time. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Wow. How long do your tours go for when you take people? Is it like a week or two weeks? 
Uh, it's a minimum of a week, sometimes up to two weeks. It depends on where we're going and what we plan to do there. Yes. Um, and it, it's evolved since COVID. It, it also depends on the group and what I think they're up for. So sometimes okay. it's about the place. And sometimes um, we do more like retreats. And I'll do intenses with people where we just do this real intense. Um, they could be rituals. They could be kind of play times where we just let stuff comes out. But because of my um, trauma background, what I'm hoping that something will come out, you know, and so we'll process <laughs> that or we'll we'll dig into the past to see what past yeah. life memories are there or into the energy of the place to see if right. we can contact something like that. So it's it's really spontaneous. It just depends on where we are and who's with us, what happens. But it's really a pl type, place and time where we do get to kind of connect with the land and our deepest selves with these people that we probably have never seen before and never will again. But it ends up being this little pod of safety and exploration where I'm not quite alone. So, okay, I'll do this thing, you know, <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> it ends up being really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So it actually helps people to expand just by being yes. um, out of their comfort zone yes. as well. Yeah. So what places have you been to so far? And, and, uh, lots, lots. Um, yeah? Egypt was the first. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that cool. was just amazing. That, yeah. that was back in the day when things were possible that are not possible today. So we got to do a lot of things that, that you just couldn't do today and see some things you couldn't do today. Like um, well, like for the, um, <laughs> so the first time I was there, we actually climbed one of the pyramids, which I know is naughty. You're not supposed to do that. Um, but you couldn't do that today. Mm. They'd shoot you probably. <laughs> well, they, it's, it's, uh, fenced off. So the opportunities oh. are not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all right. And what else did you do on these journeys? I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated. So we went to, uh, the temple, uh, segment in Karnak, which is also uh, not open to the public. So a little bribery gets you a long way mm, yeah, <laughs> in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was not really expecting, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I didn't have any expectations, but twice we've done this. And we went into her temple and it's dark. There's just a teeny hole in the ceiling where the light comes in. And we sat there with her statue and just kind of waited we weren't we weren't uh meditating we weren't praying but we were um in openness let's say yeah for her and she showed up she showed up both times and everybody had a, their own different experience of her but she so she's a warrior goddess she protects the pharaoh and and the land and she's kind of vicious and, and stuff like that but nobody experienced that side of her she's also quite loving and and most people were crying just like oh my god i've never seen such lovingness or it's compassion and it was it was it was not like a person who's nice to you this was something different on a different level and we went in the first time we were like da, 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 chatty 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 you know, because the group had bonded. And then we got in and it was like, sometimes you go in these spaces and you just know this is holy ground. Shut up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so exactly. Stopped and and sat there and, and just received it. She just gave everything. She just gave everything. And I think that people were cleansed in different ways. And we did try to talk about it, but it is one of these experiences that you can't just really give enough words to. Of course, it's 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 beyond words. That's why. Yes, <laughs> yes. And every wow. time I've seen her, she has always showed up like that. Always brilliant. brilliant. Do yeah. you have a statue of her at your home? And do you? Still I talk do. To her? Very cool. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So it sounds like you do a little bit of um, um, off the cuff sort of magic work as well. That um, I prefer that. Yeah. 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 So nothing that's really organized. It's just the way it works. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm always available for the mystery. Absolutely. I think we all are, but we don't realize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, what other places have you visited? I'm really curious. Uh, so one of my other favorites is England, believe it or not. I mean, there's a million uh, sacred places in England. Yes. But it's not really on the list like you know you think of sacred places you think of israel and egypt and not england 
but except for Stonehenge, Stonehenge, everybody knows. Um, but mostly I like going to the Southwest and following the Mary Michael Ley line. That is just incredible. Incredible. Okay. I have been all over the world, have had many, many experiences that were mind blowing. But when I was, every time I go to England, not just when the first time, I come back and it takes me a long time to get my feet back on the ground because the energy is just so different. And I've been to Peru. I've been lots of places, all amazing. And it, you know, the same kind of thing. You you float for a while, but mm. it's with England, it's something that stays with me. And I think part of that for me is the ancestral connection. Yeah. And I didn't even really know that I had an ancestral connection the first time that it happened. I just knew that this, I was like, wow, there's something really special about this place. And it's blowing my mind in a way that <laughs> nothing ever has. And it wow. does it every single time. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So when you did that one, was that with a group as well or was it alone? I've been to England many, many times. So um, sometimes with a group, sometimes not. Yeah. Right. Right. And did did you what's when you say you had experiences and it blows your mind? What happened? It's again sort of the things that um, it's not like I have apparitions or anything like that. I'm not a visual. I'm kinesthetic, so I feel things. Okay. Um, sometimes I have dreams. I'm a lucid dreamer, so I can you know run around in my dreams as it's happening. That's one of my favorite ways to interact with spirit. And, um. But it's just the way that things feel. It feels like the past, present, and future are all present in the same time. It is a place that lends itself to talking to the spirits of the land, so the rocks. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know about the 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 vibration of some of the monuments there. It's at uh, either 110 or 111 hertz, which is supposed to be like a healing uh, frequency. Yeah. that you can contact the aliens and all of that i don't know about aliens but there's something really crazy about it because my body just feels really different there and mm. so one time i went to this uh one burial ground it and it called to me yes and i was like okay i don't know what's going on here but i have to get back to this place and i made a beeline i got off the plane made a beeline over there and I got there and I said, grandfathers, why did you call me here? And he said to tell you or to show you that you don't have to be here to be here. And what he meant by that was that the first time I was there, it was like all time was in that moment. What is was in every blade of grass, was in the the clouds, the the rocks themselves within me, and we were all one thing. And there was no separation between any of the molecules or there was no time at all. And it was the coolest experience ever. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I could just feel that whenever I wanted to. And in him calling me there, what he was saying was that is possible. And as soon as I got it, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have never had to. So now anytime there's anything that I want and, and I have been there. So I've been there mindfully enough that I could recall it. I could have it again at any moment. Right, right. So you were taught like a method to instantly time travel to that space and time. Yes. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter where yes. you are. You can actually take a yes. piece of yourself and place it there and then connect. It's kind of yeah. like lucid dreaming, um, but on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a kinship with um, North Wales as well because of uh, my, my mother's side. And um, when I visited there, I, I felt weirdly at home. Everyone said it's going to be really, really, really cold because it was winter. And I got there and was like, oh, no, this is not cold. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. And, and yeah. uh, walking around, feeling the land, that was beautiful. I really enjoyed yes. rain and rain and wind that almost blows you over. I loved it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Wales is amazing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so you've done these tours with people and you do these tours for yourself. What other work do you do to help people connect to love and also connect to um, getting past their trauma into a deeper understanding of love? I think one of the biggest things that I do, I wouldn't call it work, is just to show okay. up. Sure. You know, just, just to be in their presence and be me and let them be them. And I think everybody can do that. Yeah. I think when a person has a safe space and there's no judgment and and 
we're just open to being us and letting them be them, that is the easiest way to create that love and to help keep it going. And I didn't know that because I grew up in a really warm family, high touch family. So I, I took it for granted. I just figured everybody had that. And I didn't know that it was such a maybe rare thing or a hard thing to to do. And I didn't know that it was the gift that it was until I started doing sacred travel. And then I'm here with these groups of people who are strangers. And I'm thinking that this amazing thing that's happening is from the places we're going. And the places are amazing. But then as we got on and, you know, doing it on and on and on, I'm like, wait a minute, there's something different here. There's something more than just this. And it took me a long time to figure out it, that is that sacred space that we create. You know, when you have a sacred, safe space to just be you and do you and to be stupid and silly and make mistakes and and be vulnerable and and tell your stories and it's accepted then the love flows not just from you but from everybody in that space and so in my private community that's what i try to create we do talking circles all the time yeah. to give people that experience and to give people that space the moon circles are the same so really i think it's that just coming with yourself and being self-assured enough to show to show up in a way that you're not defensive and you're, you know, open and, and loving and all of that. And if you can do that, you can create more of that. Right. And right. I take that, you know, I, that's, that's what I do everywhere all the time. So it is in my work, but I don't really think of that as work. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you have processes that you do with people to actually help them to open to that? Um, I wouldn't call it a process. There are it's kind of structured to give them the container mm. for it. So with the talking circle, there there's kind of rules, you know, on how to be in the space. But I think once people have that, because you know, you you've got people who have never had any safety at all. So I think that mm. the rules are a good container. Um, but when when I'm in my groups, and uh, we're doing the touring and stuff. I don't ever do that. I don't ever say, okay, this is how we're going to roll. It just kind of happens. And I think it happens because people feel safe enough to be vulnerable and to talk to each other and to be open and to cry if they want to, or to just or laugh if they want to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it could also be a part of the story that um, the, the energy that you're resonating because you're already yeah. carrying this and embodying it. You bring that to the group and, uh, maybe blanket the group with a new frequency and then they tune into it, that could help as well. Um, because, you know, your understanding helps. And um, yes. and there's also the expectation that people would come with to the group because they know all about you sure. and otherwise they wouldn't join your group. And so yeah. within that, they give themselves permission to open up and to uh, maybe, maybe allow themselves to connect in different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So that would say then um, to me that um, it's important to be seen and also heard and um, understood and loved. Um, why is that important for everyone? Why is that important? I think we're here for that. You know, it's like if if the sun didn't have anybody to see its rays, could it be the sun? I think everything needs to be appreciated and felt and experienced and when you withdraw your essence from that, you're diminishing it somehow. So I think the more that you show up and the more you allow others to show up, it just makes it more beautiful for everyone. I mean, imagine, what would it be like if the sun didn't show up? That would be awful. <laughs> but I think we all have that same impact. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is there any questions that you think I should have asked or anything that I should have talked about that we didn't talk about? We went everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, I think we've covered a lot of really good things here, and it's um, been very enjoyable. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate your understanding of um, love, connection, and how that relates to animism and being alive and how important it is to be open to the world and to experience and being here in the now, right now. So, yeah, There is actually one thing I would say about animism. Yeah, um, sure. I have heard 
that I don't know any of these people, thank goodness. But I have heard that there are groups that uh, are under the umbrella of animism now, and they're hate groups. What? And Come yeah, on. how's that possible? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. I know it doesn't it doesn't fit the definition. Um, so I just wanted to say to anybody listening that 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 I don't that's not my understanding of it. My understanding yeah. of it is that it's a thing of love and connection, not of isolation. So it doesn't belong to anybody. It belongs to everybody. That's really odd. I've never, ever heard of that. And I don't know how it's possible. It's like, it's almost the antithesis of animism. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, that Strange. was something I just heard in the last week. And I had the same reaction as you. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going through really interesting in the world, and it seems like there's a relentless push upon us from all sorts of media and um, mainstream media and social media about how we should be in the world, how um, things are falling apart, it's almost the end any minute, and um, things are awful. What is your antidote to that? I What's think love wisdom? again. Yeah? Yeah, because I hear those things too. And, you know, either we're on the cusp of the ascension or destruction and, yeah. you know, the decimation of the population. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, okay, let's say that it is. Yeah. Well, it's everything begins and everything ends. So if you do that with love, then I don't know what's on the other side of that, but it's got to be a new, another beginning. So rather than go with the trauma again, <laughs> then yeah. start off with love. That can't be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. The wheel's going to turn, and um, it's better yeah. if you just enjoy it rather than hold on yeah. too tight. So, <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of trust. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so, Laura, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that uh, we've gone through um, such a good, deep conversation today and all the little pieces and channels we went down. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. It is a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. It was truly a pleasure talking to Laura today. She is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to her understanding of love and connection. Growing up in a very loving family must have been really wonderful. I grew up in a family that had its own trauma challenges and um, growing up with both alcoholic parents in itself was also quite strange because I didn't understand what was going on. I thought people were just strange and that was possibly normal, but I didn't feel like it was normal. However, I got through it and turned out the way I am, so it wasn't all bad. So that's a good thing. But um, Laura has done such a great job with her work, and I'll link down the bottom to her website so you can get in contact with her and uh, maybe work on your own trauma in positive and healing ways. So that's the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have something you'd like to share, get in contact with me at supernormalized at proton.me. And until next week, bye for now.